Well, welcome everybody. I'm so excited to have a friend and former colleague joining us today for what I think is going to be a really exciting and informative podcast episode on flexibility. Good morning, Rachel. Welcome. Thank you so much, Kelly. It's so good to see you. I'm waving everybody out there in podcast land. So Rachel, you and I kind of just reconnected recently and uh, I was so excited to do it. And I've been kind of following you through not much social media because you and I aren't, you know, I would say prolific on social media. Um, and we're kind of reluctant, kind of utilitarian social media users. Absolutely. Yes. But on LinkedIn, about a year ago, I saw that you took on a, an exciting new role. I did. I am so honored to be the director of development at St. Felix Pantry. It's a local food pantry in Rio Rancho, New Mexico. And I'm just going to give my little plug. We're the only food pantry in Sandoval County, New Mexico, that offers weekly access to groceries. So I'm very honored. And I started in January. So I've celebrated one year and COVID hit. So flexibility is very important and has been a main uh, word that I have kept in the front of my mind throughout this pandemic. Yeah, I hear that. And I feel in reflecting about just the word flexibility, I try to focus on these uh, essentials to meet this moment as um, practices, you know, because in my intro, I talk about what practice means to me. I like the word practice because it's something that you actually do. So it's an active word. And then it's not as scary as the end all be all. I mean, flexibility, you're practicing it. So you, some days you have good flexible days. Some days you don't. Um, sometimes you're not very good at it, but you grow. Yes. Do you feel that way about flexibility? Yes. And I think once you have something external introduced to you, like COVID or a sick kiddo or, you know, something basic, like you get a flat tire. Those are just things that happen throughout life. Flexibility can either be big F or little F, you know, are you good at it today? Are you, you know, going back to your old ways and just getting frustrated if I were you saying, you know what, this is an opportunity, like you like to say. I didn't think of it in the big F, little F context. So I like that one and I'm going to keep, uh, keep that one. And I hear you speaking the language of growth mindset there in terms of op- finding opportunities in challenges. Which I learned from you and all the other excellent teachers that I had the pleasure of working with at Manzano Day School. Uh, that's in Albuquerque, New Mexico, if anybody's interested in learning more. It's a fantastic school. Rachel, I have a feeling you've been doing this development thing for a while. <laughs> You're pretty good at these, uh, these plugs and being an advocate for really great institutions. I, you know, if you believe in something, it's easy. And I think everybody does it every day when they're like, oh, I love these chips. The brand is blah, 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 you know. But it just so uh, I think it speaks to you as a person and your character that the things you love so happen to be nonprofit, charitable institutions that change people's lives. So kudos. And I, I just appreciate that that's what you're dedicating your profession and your life to. Thank you, Kelly. And I am so excited for your journey where it's leading you and being an educator and a phenomenal one at that. Kelly reached out to St. Felix Pantry as a potential volunteer for our learning center program. And I just think it's very exciting where this next 
year, decade will take you. Yeah, and I agree. And, I'm, and I want to go into more of the details about um, St. Felix Pantry. I love the fact that it's more of a whole person approach to the, the challenge of hunger, because not only do you have a food pantry, but you also have an education piece and you also have a, a referral piece. I don't know. I just love that. Yes. Know, kind of, and I think in, when you and I talked, it was the, the old uh, adage, you know, you can uh, give a man a fish or you can teach a man to fish. I mean, yes. how do you feel about that? So I moved to New Mexico in 2010 and I began my not only love of New Mexico, falling in love with this beautiful state, but also slowly opening my eyes to all of New Mexico, not just pockets of New Mexico, but the whole picture. And it's, it's a very poor state. There's a lot of poverty. There are people in Rio Rancho, which for those of you who are listening outside of New Mexico, Rio Rancho is, is fairly affluent in terms of areas in New Mexico. And there are pockets of kiddos who don't have running water in their homes in Rio Rancho, New Mexico. And that just, that really blew my mind. I was like, how can we purport to be the wealthiest country in the world? And we have children who are still, they still don't have running water. You know, you see uh, newspaper articles or commercials about kiddos in third world countries. And you're like, oh yeah, we need to build a well. But it's happening right here in our home. And that it just takes a while to kind of wrap your head around. And so throughout my years here in New Mexico, I started taking a step back and saying, okay, I'm involved in these, you know, my husband and I are involved in a homeless shelter, kind of a day shelter in Albuquerque. But in my career, I want to do something to positively impact, to help change the story, especially for these kiddos. Cause I just, I mean, who doesn't love kids, right? And we were talking about flexibility uh, from our children's perspective. Kelly and I are both parents and kids are so much better at flexibility in some ways. I mean, some younger kids, you know, they're, they're married to their schedule, right? You know, nap time, snack time, bedtime, but kids in general, they're kind of like, okay, I'll roll with it. But if you don't have running water, there's not a whole lot you can roll with, especially as a mom. It's like, you've got laundry, you've got cooking, you've got washing. I mean, I just think about that all the time when I'm turning on my faucet to brush my teeth, you know? So St. Felix Pantry, this position came available. So I thought, you know, it'll be good to dip my toes in to the interview world again, get my resume brushed off. And um, then I got the job. I was like, wow, okay. Now, now I really need to learn a lot about this organization. Before my interview, I had volunteered and became a volunteer here that was when I really started falling in love with this place because the overarching goal is to develop relationships. And when you're speaking about poverty or people who are maybe reluctant to share where they are in life, if you don't have running water, you're not going to, you're not going to go down the street and be like, Hey, I don't have running water. How are you doing today? You know, oh, I'm doing well. Yeah. I'm, I'm hungry. <laughs> That's yeah. not the first thing that you tell people. So we get to know people on an intimate level. It's not just, here's your food. It's like, you have your baby with you. What's her name? What's his name? 
how are things going? You know, and slowly over time, trust begins to develop. You get a sense of, you get a sense for like, oh, I remember her son really likes goldfish. We got a box of goldfish, throw it in the grocery cart, you know, that trust and that community and that relationship then allows us to serve people in a more holistic way, if you will. It's not just, you need your GED, you need to go back to school. It's, you know, what are your goals in life? Just chit-chatting, you know? Seems to me like it's similar to education in that these great schools out there, their uh, mission is to set a foundation for life. And it sounds to me like that's the same exact approach that you all are taking. And then the other thing that just was just shouting in my my mind to me was human dignity. I feel like you're starting from yes. a place of human dignity. Absolutely. And, you know, we have homeless guests who come and you can sometimes see other guests are apprehensive about getting close to or next to, but, you know, you can just see, feel an energy too. You know, there's kind of this apprehension of being around somebody who might smell a little bit differently than you do, who might, you know, have rolled up on a bike instead of a car, might have a backpack full of stuff. But the volunteers and staff set that tone as teachers do. You know, teachers know that every child in their classroom is coming from a different vantage point, has a different lens, if you will. And so we set the tone and and welcome, you know, and it's everyone is welcome here. It's not... People who smell nice are welcome here. <laughs> right. And yeah. I would walk into some of those classrooms, Kelly, and man, do some of those classrooms. <laughs> and I have two boys and I'm not, I'm, I'm going to throw them under the bus. Yeah. And some no, of those so classrooms had a funk. <laughs> teachers are laughing. I mean, come on, people. Sometimes classrooms Ooh. don't smell the best and that's okay. That's humanity at its yeah, best, Rachel. It is. It's learning. It is. It is. Ooh. Yes. So, I'm going to throw out an educator, some educator jargon because educators like to do that sometimes. But All right, pop quiz. I'm ready. I mean, you know this one. So essentially <laughs> what I hear from you and what I hear from the St. Felix Pantry video, which listeners, please watch that video. It's a four-minute video. It's beautiful. It made me cry, which is not saying much because I cry about everything. But it's gorgeous, and it says something about Everyone comes to the pantry needing something different. And it's an opportunity to give them those individual things that they might need that someone else might not. And to me, that sounds so similar to what a good teacher does and what a good school does when a student comes to them. It's called differentiation. So essentially, Mm -hmm. you give each individual child or learner uh, the tools that they need to succeed. And it's so, would you say it's similar to differentiation? I love that. Yes. I had never made that connection before, but it is. I was talking with my younger son last night uh, and he was explaining how he thinks he's a visual learner and he thinks his big brother is a tactile learner. Um, I happen to be a tactile learner myself. And he was saying, is it bad that I'm a visual learner and I'm not like my brother and I'm not like you? And I said, no. It has nothing to do with right, wrong, good, bad. It's just how you process information, right? You know, making that that leap from the classroom to a food pantry, somebody who comes with, they're living with not only their, their spouse, they're living with maybe their parents, they're living with young children, and maybe they've 
had, you know, some, some nephews and nieces come and live with them temporarily because of different situations, their grocery cart, quote unquote, is going to be a little bit fuller than the single woman who's over 65 living on social security. You know, her grocery cart is going to be smaller and there's nothing wrong or right about that. Rachel, you just gave me an opening for another uh, education type of uh, piece, which is equity and equality. Mm-hmm. Equality, treating everyone exactly the same. Equity, meaning you lift each individual up in the way they need so that they can reach what they need to. And it sounds like you all are focusing on the equity piece. Well, and listen to the previous podcast that Kelly did on that because I learned so much between the difference. I had never, it had never been presented to me in such a succinct way, but yes, it is a, it is a difference and it's an important difference for all of us to recognize. Well, I like to research. I always start with, uh, you know, just a simple definition, you know, of an idea or of a practice in this case. And you pleasantly surprised me when I asked you to be on this podcast, you said, I I think it would be good to do something about flexibility. And the reason I say surprised is because you personally, in my opinion, embody a lot of these different um, qualities that I was talking about. And so, so when I was thinking about you, Rachel, and wanting to invite you, I kept thinking, okay, so Rachel as a person has a lot to offer and her demeanor and her affect and her voice is very graceful, quiet, unassuming, but at the same time, you've got this kind of unsung hero uh, going for you. You're, you're dignified. You don't step into the limelight, but you deserve it. You're, you're a bit of a, you've got the uh, kind of redheadedness going on where you can show that through the flesh of a face or the emotion. And so I just, I just want to compliment you in those type of things and tell you that I'm just so appreciate you being that hero to and, and, and singing the praises of others, essentially just not even worrying or thinking about yourself in those spaces. You're too kind, Kelly. That is very, very kind. Um, thank you. I, I have good parents and, you know, I grew up outside of Atlanta, Georgia. I was born in Connecticut and there was a recessionary period. So my parents moved from New England to uh, the Southeast. And, you know, there were a lot of opportunities growing up to see that equity and equality dance, that sort of, and then, you know, the darker side. But my, my parents always instilled in me that we're all on this planet together. And even, you know, we would go Thanksgivings to uh, a food pantry, a food soup kitchen and serve. And my mom would always say, I'm handing food today, but I could be receiving food tomorrow. You know, humanity is, is, is one. We're all together. So I, I can't take any credit for it, basically. <laughs> well, Rachel, I knew you wouldn't. Okay, Rachel, you told me about some influencers in your life. You, you spoke about your parents. You mentioned kind of growing up in the South. And I also think about the unique perspective you have because your husband is from Bulgaria. My husband is from Bulgaria. And again, you know, it's just, I have to attribute that to seeing him as a human being, not, you know, somebody who is different or unlike me, just make connections and have conversations. And then it blossomed into love. 
Well, and I'm sure you've learned so much more fully about, oh, yes. about his uh, country uh, by just being a part of his life. Absolutely. Are there any other influencers in your life, influences that you wanted to mention? I had a ninth grade English teacher. Her name was Mrs. Beale. And she gave us an assignment before entering high school to read a book. The book was The Invisible Man. Now, I went to the library and picked up the wrong Invisible Man. I did the one by Orson Welles. (laughs) And I was so proud of myself. And I really enjoyed the book. And I come back, well, come to ninth grade. So, right, you're beginning high school new school, new set of peers, you know, new hallways, you're figuring out your locker combination, like how to open your lock. I mean, basic stuff, right? Trying to be flexible. But I walk into English class and I'm proudly handing my paper. And then the next day she's like, you know, Rachel, you gave me the wrong report. She said, I think you meant to do this book. So you've got till the weekend and Monday, I'm expecting this report, but I I think you're going to get it right? You're going to turn it in. Yeah. And that always stuck with me that she wasn't like F. She wasn't like you fail. Wrong book. Yeah. She gave us a little autonomy because we're entering high school. I don't remember what grade I got, but, but I just remember that. I remember Mrs. Beal and how gracious she was in a moment that, that for a brand new ninth grader, for a brand new high school student, when you're already kind of looking around and sure of yourself to begin with. She was like, I think you got the wrong one, but you're going to get me the right one. I like that. Isn't it so true that um, when you think about good teachers, you don't, you don't ever look back decades or years from now. Not, I'm not saying it was decades for you. Maybe it was just a few years. (laughs) It was decades at this point. (laughs) (laughs) I was just joking, but when you look back. Every day is a gift. (laughs) I agree. I agree. When you look back, some of your favorite teachers, you don't remember what lesson they taught. You might not even remember the name of the course, uh, the report you wrote, the grades you got. You just remember a feeling that they instilled in you that you can't let go of. And anybody who, I mean, I would even, I would even say from the highest ranks of uh, policymakers to the lowest ranks of quote unquote society, we all have an opportunity to make people feel like they matter. I've noticed now with COVID, when I have gone to the grocery store, I've noticed there's a lot more compassion. Everybody's on edge and everybody knows it. And so we're, we're just a lot more patient with one another. I was at the grocery store the other day and there was a mom with four kids and, you know, she's not trying to, you know, have a bunch of people in the grocery store. She's just a stay at home mom who needs to get her groceries and she's taking her kids with her and everybody was just smiling at her. Everybody was just so, you know, can I help you get something off the shelf? There was a lot of kindness And maybe I didn't see it before, but I think with COVID, you're really, I call them the silver linings of COVID because you're noticing them because you're not interacting with people on a regular basis like you used to be pre-COVID. So you see it a lot more. And I hope that that stays with us. I hope that that flexibility, that kindness 
infused into flexibility stays with us as a as a nation as a people agreed yeah i agree i i feel like the silver linings are if you're willing to look if you're present enough those silver linings are there and it sounds like you are able to see them so that compassion that kindness another one i see is flexibility i mean we've everybody in the world knows how to do a zoom now nobody knew how to do zoom i was a technology director i knew how to and i had to teach people like it was a foreign language and and convince them to even try. And so I'm so happy for everyone to put to bed the idea that, oh man, I can't do that stuff with, with technology. I, I, it won't work. It's going to go wrong. And so the wonderful thing is they've everybody seen it and it does go wrong and it does break or it is glitchy, but then life goes on and they used it and it's a way to connect with each other. Exactly. You're in California. I'm in New Mexico and we're talking. Here we are. How cool is that? Yeah, I agree. And the other the other silver lining I see is, uh, or as you said, COVID silver lining is uh, unity. So when we talk about meeting this moment, um, I think it's important for me to help to frame the moment. When they decide to listen to this, it might not be soon. Maybe they're going for a walk a year from now, or maybe they're in their car or whatever it might be. And if they stumble upon this, if you can remember where you were in your life, we just went through a really contentious election. The nation is reeling over some things like social injustice, um, you know, economic fallouts, people that feel very passionately about uh, politics. And of course, the pain that we're going through with COVID. It's also I, opened a lot of people's eyes to the disparity from the haves and the have-nots, if you will. I think people have been forced because of COVID to see that there is a discrepancy in their neighbor, the person who lives down the street from them. This pandemic has shifted a lot of people a lot further away from where their goals were pre-COVID. Agreed. And my favorite kind of um, way to visualize it is shining a light on something that just because the light wasn't on it before doesn't mean it wasn't there. It's just, you can just see it now. And I'm just, I'm grateful for that so that we can hopefully move forward with a little bit of unity around certain things. I, I don't think that we'll unite over everything, especially politics, but that's okay. There are still human qualities that we all possess that we can kind of unite around. Yes. And I think in speaking about flexibility, I realize my oldest son will be voting at the next primary And so I allowed him a little bit more access to some of the processes, although 2020 was maybe not the benchmark for for that. (laughs) However, it was still good to talk about, you know, why there are debates. It's healthy to disagree. It just, it's important the way you disagree. You have to keep an open mind and also hear the other person. Nobody ever changes somebody else's mind by speaking over them or raising their voice or, you know, other things that we tend to do when we're passionate about something. But if you just take a deep breath, breathe in through your nose, out through your mouth, you can hear better. You can take that moment and listen. And um, I don't know if this is appropriate, but I'm going to say it. I'm a white female. You're a white male. I think white people need to do a lot more listening and trying to understand 
what it means to be somebody of a different race in this country. What does that look like? What does that feel like? How do you move in the world that's different from how I move in the world? I've heard the saying, you know, well, my family didn't own slaves. I, my family is, I'm, I'm actually a second generation on my mom's side, American. Okay, so I didn't own slaves, but just by the color of my skin, there have been certain things that have been granted to me that if I have a conversation with somebody who's escaping something very bad in another country, uh, in New Mexico, we have a lot of people who come from Mexico. And if I'm a mom and I meet another woman who's a mom from Mexico who has two little girls, I have two little boys, and she came into New Mexico because she's fearing for their safety. I can completely identify with that. I can just for a moment understand on that basic level as a human being, as a mother, there are things that I have that she doesn't. Should those things be allowed to her? I think so. And maybe we could have that conversation of what that looks like. And I used to tell somebody um, my ideal would be just if we could all have a round table, like a big worldwide round table and just talk some of these things out. I know uh, I'm an idealist, but I think that's what really needs to talk and listen, maybe listen first, then talk, process, then speak, you know, and I think educators are, are at the front line because they have that deep relationship with the next generation. They have those conversations that educators are privileged to have with their children. I mean, it's a, it's a great honor. And I think that's, that's where I get my hope is that kiddos are wanting to, they want to talk about this. They want to understand, they want to, they want to be the change that they wish to see. Right. As Gandhi so eloquently put it. I, Rachel, I can't help, but notice. So you mentioned the word privilege you know, and specifically white privilege. And I think that it is completely appropriate to talk about. And I think it's okay. Um, I was doing an episode on equity with uh, Dr. Shantanet Hara, who is uh, in the episode, I used uh, the example of myself being a white man that has privilege to do certain things. And I had a loved one contact me afterward and said, well, you know, she had a reaction to that, that it was very understanding and kind and she completely understood where I was coming from, but she also just reminded me, well, you know, life hasn't always been easy for our family. You know, you come from a, a family that, you know, was very um, uh, poor and really had to bring themselves up and help themselves through hard work and determination and education. And I, I told that person, I, I so agree with you. And what I want you to know is when I say I'm privileged, I think of it as I'm grateful. It doesn't have to be a badge of dishonor or shame if you have that privilege. It can be the the other side of that word is, oh, I'm so privileged to be here. You know, that's it's a thank you. And so positive. Yeah. And and but also you can't have that positive without the recognition of what it's given you and where and where you are because of it. And so I'm I have gratitude for it, but I also understand that by me having it, that means others don't. Yes. And so I want to frame this privilege piece around flexibility. So let me read to you this definition, literally out of the book, definition of flexibility. The quality of bending easily without breaking, the ability to be easily modified, or the willingness to change or compromise. So here we are talking about flexibility and how important it is. 
this is how I feel about it. I have the privilege of sitting in my comfortable house, talking to a friend of mine with my internet connection and my children um, at school. I have the privilege of being in a place where I can even make a podcast about flexibility. My question to you is, what about those folks, maybe the guests that you work with, your community, they don't get to think about flexibility. They have to live it. Is it does it look different from what we're talking about? Absolutely. So I'm going to give a story because I, I, I think stories and relationships are the most powerful tool in understanding the difference. So COVID hits, right? And we all go, even if you're, let's say you're a frontline worker, you're still taking different precautions. So all of us had some shift in pre-COVID life, during COVID life. And I think we're going to continue to need that flexibility post-COVID life. So the shift for me and my children went something like this. It's going to be difficult to transition to virtual learning, but it's not impossible. And here's what we need to do to have them still in school virtually. So let me tell you the story of a grandmother who comes regularly to the pantry. Um, She's one of our guests that comes once a week because she's on social security. So she has a very fixed income and that's her only income. She was in tears because her granddaughter was living without internet in her apartment beginning kindergarten. So in August, that should be an exciting time in a child's life. It was a time of sorrow because this little baby girl wasn't able to be online. So the city of Albuquerque had several areas where they had hotspots for Wi-Fi. So kiddos could take a laptop and go to, for example, a public library parking lot if they didn't have internet access at home. This little girl didn't have a laptop. They didn't have the money. There's, there's the difference. I was able to be flexible with minimal disruption and irritation to my life and my kiddo's life, whereas another kiddo was having a lot of disruption and a lot of sadness, along with starting something that, that should have been exciting and joyful. She's always going to remember starting kindergarten and not being able to join in with her classmates. I appreciate you sharing stories with, you know, people who might be experiencing flexibility differently or more intensely the need for it than, than we do. Because, you know, I think about flexibility in terms of, oh, gosh, well, how's that going to affect my life and my day? Well, it's not going to affect my ability to keep my kids fed and a roof over their head. And so the fact that some folks are are requiring flexibility at a very different and more uh, important level and needs to be, I think, recognized. When I'm speaking about, you know, the privilege that I have, I'm not, I'm not speaking about it in a way that is designed to upset someone. I don't think you are either. We're not talking about, you know, across the board that just because of the color of our skin, we're bad. It's much more than that. It's much more than you know, what you see. It's about how you move in the world. It's about how you can respond to changes. You know, if you go to the grocery store 
I mean, I always, cause I, I didn't grow up wealthy either. I always go to the sales section cause that's how I was raised. It's like, you go and see what the, the bargain is, the bulk items, and then you move over to the, the fancier stuff, you know? Yeah. It's, you know, nothing good or bad about that. It's just in us, right? So Rachel, in thinking about flexibility in myself and kind of preparing for talking to you, I I mentioned the definition, the textbook definition of flexibility. We talked about what it looks like in our lives and in others' lives. I wanted to share with you an inspiring example of flexibility just because it really uh, hit home to me. I was listening to this great piece on NPR about a woman named MJ Ryan, and she's a successful healthcare industry worker, but she ran up against a challenge, which is her mother, Teresa, was in a nursing home. And due to COVID restrictions, she couldn't see her mom anymore. Mm. And talk about flexibility. MJ got a night job doing laundry at her mom's facility so that she could see her. And she talks about that story and this creative solution that she came up with, how that affected her life. And perhaps maybe the most touching part of that is she got to spend the last uh, several weeks of her mother's life with her and be there with her wow. for the end where so many people were robbed of that experience. And so she got to experience uh, a lot of joy and a lot of heartache. important, yeah, and a lot of heartache, but she was so grateful for it. And, she, and, and again, COVID silver lining, she made so many friends of the, the residents and she lit up, lit up their life and they did the same for her. I just thought that was, I just wanted to tell you and the listeners about that story because it's just a nice one that reminds me of flexibility. Yes. What a beautiful gift that she gave not only her mother, but those other residents and herself. I am a big believer that words matter. So can I just share with you some of the words that I found um, on the website that spoke to me? Absolutely. I just loved that St. Felix has core values and they talk about transformation, which is the process that encourages an open mind and heart leading to continuous improvement of the person and the ministry from your website. I love that. And um, I also loved um, this idea of corporate responsibility, which this blew my mind. You can see that I'm kind of nerdy about this stuff. I like reading. <laughs> like, like this is usually the fine print that nobody else likes, but sorry, I, I was a teacher, but I was also an administrator. So teachers will laugh in knowing that administrators kind of get into the rules and Geek things out like that. On. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this corporate responsibility piece at St. Felix Pantry, um, I liked this one. No bad consequences will happen to you for raising questions or issues that you think are problematic. I like that that um, they're saying, yes, be responsible, but also if you see something, talk to us about it. I like that. And then I also like the, an, a, another example of openness. Any suggestion related to quality improvement processes in work endeavors in which you are engaged will be warmly welcomed. So the idea that an institution that is its purpose for being is to serve its community is saying, hey, those of you, doesn't matter who you are, those of you that are working with us, if we can do it better, tell us. Absolutely. So my, my, my boss, the president and CEO is also a Catholic nun. Her name is Sister Mary Angela. And we have a morning announcement 
every morning that we're serving to the community. And she always says, if there's anything that you see that's not working well, let's talk about it. And, you know, when I started in January, it was kind of like people would go, oh, that's cute, you know, but then COVID hit and it became crucial to us being able to be flexible because everybody had different ideas about what it meant to sanitize, sort, prepackage, you know, have the food safely available to everyone. But everybody's ideas and input, even the guests, you know, if you're disabled, you can't take a grocery cart to your car. So it became a crucial piece to the flexibility of serving your fellow neighbor because everybody's input was valued. It was, it was, it was really beautiful. I mean, it's a, not only a silver lining of COVID, but it's a silver lining of flexibility that really good things can come out of being flexible. Sometimes we, uh, I don't know, flexibility can sometimes be a painful word for some people. You know, I I don't want to be flexible. I just want to do everything the way I was doing it. Change is scary and different, and I don't want to do that. But when you see it work really well and you see the connections, so you have to roll with it and you have to see, okay, the end process is people feel good. Everybody's able to safely get their food, safely get it loaded into their cars. Flexibility wins. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, no, I agree. And I <laughs> I can't help but thinking because you and I, I think we're kind of just a uh, warm, fuzzy moment seeking people. <laughs> and, yes. and I have a feeling, you know, know your audience. I have a feeling that most people that actually got through this episode are probably seeking that same feeling. But for those of you that might be naysayers, you know, the, I think the example of good leadership that you just mentioned is that, you know, flexibility and empathy they're not just soft skills. They make a difference in the nuts and bolts of an operation. They cause, Absolutely, they, or, do. they result in efficiency. And they result in community, people feeling connected to one another in a way that if you're just give, giving rules and orders, you're not going to get that, that community and that, that passion that people are going to really feel like they are part of. Yeah. So for those of you that are just looking for the, uh, the outcome, you know, if, if, if the journey doesn't matter to you as much as it, uh, as the destination, well, there, at least there's a destination improvement too. Um, it reminds me, uh, of a famous, uh, example. And I, and I think it was the power of habit, but, uh, there's a famous example from this book that talks about Alcoa, you know, large company that made a huge change in their safety and productivity by having the habit of listening and getting input. And when you see something wrong, tell us. And so uh, kudos to the leadership at your uh, organization. And thanks for sharing that example. I think we all have opportunities for growth. And I love how you actually introduced me to the growth mindset. We can frame it in a way that's negative or we can frame it in a way that's positive. And let's frame it as a COVID silver lining. And let's focus on those things that are going well. You know, and just put yourself in somebody else's shoes just for a little bit. Just try to understand your flexibility might look different than somebody else's flexibility in their life. And I think if we just listen, try to remain flexible, try to to remain compassionate, 
it will be what you talked about as one of our core values, which is it will transform not only your neighbor, but the city, the state, the country, the world. It'll have a ripple effect. I am not personally a, a, a very religious person, but I am a spiritual person and I have a lot of belief around that, you know, a higher power and how we're all connected and things like that. And I had these cool quotes from the Tao Te Ching. That book really spoke to me. You might like it. I mean, I know you are a, a religious person and um, that is meaningful to you. I've read the book several times and it's an easy read because they're just little tiny snippets. In fact, I used to, at Manzano, I used to go for walks. I would eat really fast and so that I had time. And then I'd go for a long walk through the uh, country club neighborhood where... Uh, I did the same thing. Did you? Yes. Yeah. And so I would listen to audiobooks walking through the country club neighborhood and thinking about the teaching of Lao Tzu. But uh, one of the quotes when I think about flexibility is he always talked about suppleness and the idea of being soft. And so if you're not rigid and the wind blows, you are not going to break or fall over. You're just going to bend. And so this is uh, verse 76 says, men are born soft and supple. Dead, they are stiff and hard. Plants are born tender and pliant. Dead, they are brittle and dry. Thus, whoever is stiff and inflexible is a disciple of death. Whoever is soft and yielding is a disciple of life. The hard and stiff will be broken. The soft and supple will prevail. Mm. It reminds me, I'm a, a Christian, and my my husband is actually an Eastern Orthodox priest. And so, uh, at one of our services, there were these prayers that were given for just this time. And the prayer never said, you know, take it away from us. Basically said, if it's your will, banish it, make it less potent. But it's it was more about our own response to the virus, which was give us vastness. And I really have sat with that. Vastness and flexibility are also very similar. You know, let us see beyond and move with what we're given. You know, be flexible, be supple, be vast, give us vast roots. Let us, let us see one another. Let us understand that this isn't all about me. But I can respond by being supple, by being vast, by being flexible and kind, people. Let's be kind. <laughs> well said, Rachel. I couldn't have said it any better. That's why I invited you to be on the show. <laughs> You're doing great things for your community. And you took some time out of your day to talk to me and talk to the listeners about flexibility. And I just want to say thank you for doing that. Thank you for the good work you do. And uh, thanks for being a champion to some really great causes today. Uh, I really appreciate you being on the show. And also just, I had a good time conversing with you. Thank you, Kelly. It was such an honor and a blessing to be with you and just to reconnect after these years and, and see one another. Well, Rachel, here's to transformation and silver linings and flexibility. Here, here. Well, everybody, thanks again for listening. Really appreciate it, and I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, just so that you know, some of the information that we talked about will be in the show notes. Things like 
the interview with MJ Ryan on Here and Now on WBUR that aired in November of 2020. There is a link to the Tao Te Ching translation that I always love listening to and reading. Also a link to St. Felix Pantry, wonderful organization that Rachel told us all about, as well as Manzano Day School in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Also, I'd love to hear your feedback. If you don't mind rating and reviewing this podcast on Apple Podcasts, I sure would appreciate it. Feel free to leave me a comment. Go on to my website at www.engageandeducate.com. Sign up for my mailing list. I would love to hear from you. Also, for those of you that listen to this and are thinking about your own experience with that essential practice of flexibility and what it means to you, I sure would love to hear your feedback. You all be well, and a new episode is coming soon. Thanks.